1: Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass.
1: What's up Dolph fans, and welcome into the Wednesday, May the 15th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, OTA practice number two was open to the media on Tuesday. We've got details on player attendance, players returning from injuries, a starting quarterback declaration, and everything from Davey you might have missed out on. Plus, Josh Rosen was on the Rich Eisen Show. We'll discuss that and some other Rosen notes and finally, a word on Rashad Jones and his labrum surgery recovery and place in this defense. And a former Dolphin first round pick is back in some trouble. All of that and a whole lot more. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya Podcast app, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, tuned in Google Play. However, you get your podcast, go ahead and subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. The number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by Dolphins Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. The show is at Lockdown Fins, And we have content for you guys every single day on LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the Locked On Network. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports Family of Podcasts. Like the Locked On Heat podcast for the NBA draft lottery and draft news, you guys require for your Miami Heat. Let's go ahead and jump right into this podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. First down. Today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you by Blue Chew, the smarter, cheaper, faster choice. And Tuesday was day number two of nine OTA practices to occur this month for our Miami Dolphins. And while three of those practices, including Tuesdays, are open to the media. Things have, as expected, changed. Brian Flores is going to run a very tight ship here in Miami. We already know the entire staff and the players, for the most part, have been trained to say a whole bunch of words without really saying anything at all. And those restrictions extend into the media and what they're allowed to report via their Twitter timelines. For instance, they were strictly forbidden from detailing who was working with the starters, who was on the second team, a swift departure from the previous regime. But there was an exception to that rule, the cubes, the quarterbacks, Ryan Fitzpatrick for right now is your starting quarterback. And if you expected it to be anything different, well, frankly, that's on you. Josh is going to have to earn his way into this role. And while he's been in just about every episode of the Locked on Dolphins podcast since the day he was required, and rightfully so, if you ask me, obviously I'm one that writes the shows. He's going to have to climb the ladder to supplant Fitzpatrick as the starting quarterback. If you want to catch Coach Flores' media availability, it's on the Dolphins' Twitter page. But our staff editor, Jason Harina, at Miami Punks on Twitter, provided a transcript with some context clues in there up on LockedOnDolphins.com, the Locked On Dolphins podcast here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And we have been cranking out content for you guys all week, as we do every week. The first half of the Josh Rosen charting project is up there live right now as well as my piece up there on Miami's offensive identity shift that has occurred over the offseason. We covered the OTAs as well, so get over to LockedOnDolphins.com. And for me, the best note came from Coach Flores talking about formatting this defense to fit the parts that they have. He specifically stated that it's not going to be a copy and paste thing from the New England defense. They will have parts from that defense, certainly, and they will emphasize versatility, and more on that here in a minute. But they are going to, quote, do what's best for the football team, end quote. And that, to me, is really exciting. How many times over the last couple of years did we see defensive backs arguing with one another while the opposing offense was streaking into the end zone? Remember that Houston game? The only thing more embarrassing than Matt Burke's tablet toss was the actual defense that he called. It was complex, but in the worst way imaginable, and they just kept calling it over and over and over again, no matter how much it failed. They kept doing it. No more. That's not going to be the thing anymore here in Miami. And I think we'll get a great snapshot of that right off the bat in week one as the Dolphins host the Baltimore Ravens. And that's going to require a completely different plan than the one the Dolphins will try to use to stop Tom Brady and the New England Patriots in week two, both games at Hard Rock Stadium. The other interesting mention for me was the talk about using players in different capacities within the secondary. And Flores said, We have a lot of guys that are versatile back there, and they're going to take advantage of that fact. And that includes some potential boundary cornerback position for Minka Fitzpatrick. And if you'll recall my post game episode last year, if you're a longtime fan of the podcast, the post game after the Bills win in Miami, I spoke to Minka Fitzpatrick in the locker room, and he said that he really enjoyed playing out there on the edge and really felt settled into that position at that time now coach also talked about Eric Rowe and some of his strengths as he has played a little bit of safety as well as inside and outside cornerback as well so I'm sure he'll have a lot on his plate if he can stay healthy this year and the media may have not been able to detail who were the ones on offense and defense but Rowe himself said that he was working opposite Xavier Howard at the other starting cornerback spot no surprise there as for the practice itself The most important news is about who was not there. Albert Wilson has a long road back from that hip injury. And yes, he avoided surgery. But you'll recall that he was barely squatting 135 pounds just a couple of months ago. And I assume, based on the way that dude is built, his lower half the way it's built, that he can put up five bills on the squat rack when he's at his best. The dude is a freaking house. He wasn't out there. Jakeem Grant was albeit in a limited capacity. He's working back slowly from his Achilles strain last year as well. Raquan McMillan was absent, as was Dwayne Allen. That's two more starters, along with Rashad Jones, a third starter who we're going to discuss in more detail in segment number three. Stay tuned for that. As well as Chase Allen, Ricardo Lewis, Cordrea Tankersley, and Tankersley makes sense because of the knee injury, and Isaac Asiata. Now, I know these things are voluntary, and I could very well be speaking out of turn here. But why wouldn't you show up to this? Why would you miss out on an opportunity to make a first impression on this new coaching staff? Why would you think that missing out on the tutelage is acceptable? I get it for someone like Rashad Jones, but Isaac Asiata, Ricardo Lewis, guys that probably aren't going to make the team anyway. Why are you not out there? This would be my only priority if I were a player, plus the camaraderie of seeing all the guys that would be at the forefront of my mind. I don't know. The whole voluntary thing seems strange to me. These nine practices would seem to be crucial to the development of my football team in college. Those spring practices are invaluable and coaches preach going to bowl games just for the extra practices. This whole thing, it's just weird to me. I don't get it. And again, maybe I'm out of turn, but I really don't see why you don't have 100% attendance with a few exceptions at these types of things. And what about the rest of the guys at practice? We're going to get into that next. Plus Josh Rosen's interview on the Rich Eisen Show coming up next. But first, this word from Blue Chew. Are you a grizzled veteran? Are your best playing days behind you? Listen up, guys. You can increase your performance and get the extra confidence you need with BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness like the release of a presumed Robert Kraft tape. They're made in the USA and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And right now we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code On." Just pay $5 shipping again. That's B-L-U-E, chew.com, promo code On" to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. The social media department of the Miami Dolphins does a fantastic job every day. And they've been pumping out clips this week of the guys getting their work in at practice. And then there's the beat Rider scouts who, frankly, I could take or leave a lot of the opinions they have. But I did see a few mention about Josh Rosen ripping passes at practice. Now, I'm not one to spike the football. But didn't I say that we would hear that the first time the media got a look at Josh Rosen on the practice field? Sure enough, that was the case. As for the rest of Josh Rosen's day, well, it wasn't a great one. He was having issues with the quarterback center exchange, and that's bound to happen with a brand new center, much less a undrafted free agent in Ryan Anderson, who he was working with at first. But then there was the pick six that he threw early on in practice to linebacker Sam Aguevion. I hope I got that right. But I mean, who cares? This time of year isn't in the slightest about results. Failure should be encouraged. But the experience did factor into the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick worked with the ones in both 7-on-7 and 11-on-11. I would have been shocked if it were any different and another change at practice There is this wall, a new painted wall they have at the facility out on the practice field that has been repainted with the acronym TNT on it. I have no idea what that stands for, but every time a player makes a mental mistake, jumping off sides, missing an assignment, that type of thing, they run to the wall. So that's going to be a fun addition. I'm sure we'll hear a lot about over the course of the offseason. Let's go ahead and spin this thing back to the quarterbacks here and specifically Josh Rosen. And before I get into that Rich Eisen interview, which it was learned that... Steve Kahn, kind of an a-hole. And I want to get back to that after this Barry Jackson Monday column that he posted that I think was very interesting for a few reasons. Jackson spoke to a league executive that assured Barry that Miami hit the jackpot here with the Rosen deal. He said that Rosen is, quote, head and shoulders ahead of Ryan Tannehill and is, quote, the best thing the Dolphins have done in years, end quote. He goes on to talk about the structure around Rosen and how Jim Caldwell worked with Peyton Manning and how Rosen is cerebral in his own right and that has the makings of a great marriage here in Miami. And Barry Jackson also got quotes from Tim Hasselbeck and Trent Dilfer with the latter saying the fit is perfect. Dilfer says, quote, I called him and told him, dude, great fit. You are going to an academic system, and that's what Josh needs, an academic approach to football. He's highly intellectual, and in a system that puts a lot of burden on the quarterback, this is going to bring the best out of him, end quote. Dilfer then went on with the Aaron Rodgers comparison, saying, quote, He's Aaron Rodgers. First of all, whoa, big guy. Let's pump the brakes on that. Quote again, he's basically an Aaron Rodgers clone and how they deemed excellence from everybody. And it brings out more out of them when you put that burden on Josh Rosen. And that's the way the Patriot way has been. And that's what they're bringing to Miami, end quote. So people are stoked on this deal. And rightfully so for the value and the optimism it brings, if not for anything else, just this season alone. And before we go forward to this Rich Eisen interview, you guys might recall on my timeline, I think it was Monday, possibly Sunday, I posted a picture to my timeline of the week 14 passing chart against the Detroit Lions. And you might recall me saying that Rosen had a weakness going short to the left and anytime he had a quick setup and throw. And it was interesting that in a game where he threw the ball 41 times, none of those throws were short to the left quickly. Sometimes as a film study guy, it's just fun to see your theories confirmed by actual football people. And I think that that confirmed my thought there that Rosen does struggle in that area and could stand to improve. Okay, so by now you've probably seen this Rich Eisen interview with Josh Rosen. If you haven't, I'll go ahead and recap it. And I'll just go piece by piece here with the things that I found interesting. Number one is that Josh Rosen is just a smart, interesting guy. And that's a big veer from what a lot of players in the NFL are who give you those cut and dry answers and really don't have a nuanced way of having a conversation, whether it's in the media or otherwise. And that's not who Rosen was. First things first, he thanked Rich Eisen for having him on. And you can just tell there's a real genuine kind of appreciative value to his character that he put forward in this interview and this first one rich eisen asked him how things are going in miami and josh gave a pretty funny response to that question
0: it's going really well um just finally getting settled in uh i mean i'm, I'm finding my way around the building um i'm not walking into receiver rooms they their bathrooms anymore uh, <laughs> so <laughs> just kind of getting settled in uh, figuring out where everything is, uh, breaking down this playbook, um, and, uh, getting used to this heat a little bit. So. Okay.
1: so he talks about the fact that one, you do have to learn a new work environment no matter what the industry is, but also the fact that he's really working hard to digest the playbook. Let's go ahead and skip forward to the next part of the interview that I found interesting which most people will say it was the Steve Keim bit, which we'll get to here in a minute. But this was the most interesting to me as Eisen actually asked Rosen about that Trent Dilfer quote and his fit in the system and the playbook he's dealing with here in Miami.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, this playbook is awesome. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's straight from the Patriots with a couple flavors from, uh, from some assistant coaches from other places. Um, I mean, I got a really good relationship with Coach Polinski already Um, and, uh, uh, I'm really excited for what this could do. I mean, I'm learning, I'm learning new football each day. Um, uh, not just within our playbook, but Coach Caldwell is teaching me things, um, that he's been preaching his whole career.
1: And that goes back to one of the points I have talked about in terms of the Josh Rosen evaluation this year. I'm not going to put numbers or certain benchmarks on what he has to do, but one of the things I want to hear about is a developed relationship with the play caller and the coaches in Miami, which it sounds like is already off to a great start. And then how about the question about how he and Ryan Fitzpatrick get along? I found this one fantastic.
0: In terms of guys to compete with, um, (laughs) with, I guess my um, kind of personality profile, I don't think there's a better guy I could get along with than Ryan Patrick. We've yeah, had some great but, conversations so far. I think our quarterback room's been a lot of fun. Um, he's really goofy, but um, he really loves to work. And uh, I think uh, he's going to make me better. I'm going to make him better. And I think uh, complacency is kind of a, a killer in this league, and I think quarterback co- the, or competition in general is sort of the uh, exact opposite of... of uh, or it kind of kills complacency.
1: This guy is just... he's very, very measured in the way he talks about things and the way he approaches things. You can just tell that the the gears are always turning up top for him and it comes off that way, but I love that he and Ryan Fitzpatrick are broing out the way they are and I wouldn't have expected anything else. And then Eisen went on to ask him about the relationship between Steve Com, Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury and when Rosen was alerted of the fact they were going to draft Kyler Murray, Eisen says, "Did they talk to you before so you didn't have to learn about the draft pick live on a television set?"
0: Yeah, I mean, my uh, my agent gave me a call about five minutes before, um, saying, "Don't be surprised, uh, this this might happen." And I was like, "All right, you know what it is? It, it is what it is. Um, uh, we'll see how the cards 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 uh, end up falling." But uh, I mean, I'm going to compete wherever I am. Um, so Cliff gave me an actual call a minute before it happened, saying that we're going to um, draft Kyler. And I mean, I I have the most respect for Cliff. Um, I mean, I I, I don't slight anyone for making business decisions that they think are best for them and their family um but i just really appreciated how he just kind of acted like a man and, and was um uh, very respectful um he was wishing me the best he called me even the day after the draft um uh, wishing me good luck um and i wish him good luck uh, i even gave i even gave Kyler a call shot him a text and said good luck I'm um, wishing you the best
1: but- so josh rosen handles this in a way that definitely 22 year old travis would have not And I don't even know that 32 year old Travis would have handled it this way that Josh did, because to me that seems very cowardly. At least Cliff Kingsbury reached out a couple of times and made that mention to Josh Rosen. But I think Steve Keim, who had to have known all along, I think the Cardinals knew this all along. Their plan was to go after Kyler Murray. They couldn't let Josh Rosen know quicker than five minutes before the draft pick got handed in. That to me seems really sketchy. Let's go ahead and hear him talk about Steve Keim.
0: I mean, I I love everyone in that building. Um, with the exception of maybe one or two guys there. But I, for the most part, I love every single one, everybody in that Arizona Cardinals building from uh, from Tom Reed, the trainer, to Brett Fitz.
1: So he goes on to name the trainer the cooks in the way, in the kitchen staff. And you heard him say that there's maybe one or two people he doesn't really care for that much. And we could speculate on that. But I think Josh wound up answering that for us here on this next question regarding general manager Steve Kime.
0: Yeah, I mean, the only thing that like truly did kind of frustrate me through this whole process that like i still haven't heard from uh my old gm like i talked to him for months before still haven't talked to him months after um but that was kind of frustrating but for the most part it's i'm just ready to put that whole chapter behind me and keep pushing on and and uh playing
1: football and they would go on to joke about michigan and ucla at college and athletics and all that fun stuff but just an enlightening interview if you haven't checked it out yet go ahead and do so josh rosen on the rich eisen show and the grand takeaway from it all is that Josh Rosen really was done very, very dirty in Arizona. And hopefully it's Miami's reward that we get an angry, pissed off Josh Rosen who can come here and turn things around for himself and for this Miami Dolphins team, particularly at the quarterback position. Okay, we're going to come back on the other side of the podcast and talk about a guy that might be going into the ring of honor someday. We'll do that next on the On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins.
0: I've
1: got two more topics I want to discuss on this show. The Wednesday, May the 15th edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. And I did think about doing the converse of yesterday's final segment where I told you how things could go completely right for the Miami Dolphins and the approach they want to take to find their way into the winner's circle 10 or 11 times and get back to the postseason and the converse would be of course how things could go completely awry and the Dolphins would bottom out but I'm going to save that for another day what I do want to talk about is Rashad Jones and I've been critical of Rashad on here which pains me to say because he truly is one of my favorite all-time Dolphins I'll never forget when he had a beautiful pass breakup in the 2016 season opener in Seattle. It happened right in front of me. I was there at the game and I was taunting Seahawks fans saying, you probably don't want to test that guy. He's the best safety in the league. And yeah, maybe that was a tad homer of me, but at the time he was close, if not the best. And those Hawks fans to a man, had no idea who Rashad Jones was, so let's not even get started on the 12s in Seattle. That could be an entire half-hour podcast in its own right, but Rashad has suffered through these chronic shoulder injuries the last three years, and since that interception against Roethlisberger and the Steelers back in 2016, which was a hell of a play in that game, Rashad has had some issues staying healthy, and he played through the 2017 season with that same labrum issue. And Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post did the podcast that year in late December, and he had spoken to Rashad in the locker room, who was clearly hurting and showing visible signs of frustrations as well as the injury with constant pain in the shoulder. And Joe Shad said that he just didn't look the same. And then last year, it looked like everything was okay when he flat out balled out in the season opening win over the Tennessee Titans, but then he made that huge stick right at the goal line at the end of the first half in the week two game at the Jets, and those problems returned. Rashad missed the next two, maybe it was three games, and he just wasn't the same coming back. So that, coupled with the fact that he walked off the field, but due in large part to the complicating scheme of Matt Burke that I mentioned in the first segment, And on top of that, even the fact that I thought he wasn't a scheme fit here, because in this defense, your safeties must be able to cover and match up man-on-man in coverage. A big reason why I love Minka Fitzpatrick in this defense. Well, maybe that's not what Rashad's going to have to do in this defense. He could play in this defensive back sub package, heavy defense as a robber or as a blitzer, just in any form that keeps him near the line of scrimmage and out of that man coverage I think he's very capable of that, plus his run defense has always been elite, and nobody uses their safeties in the run game like Brian Flores or Bill Belichick, whatever you want to say, he's going to bring that same mentality to Miami. So this all ties into an Instagram video shared with me via our pal Kevin Dern, you guys know who he is, check out his piece next week on the defensive analogs, the matchup pieces or the right scheme fits on this defense with the right personnel. And Rashad in that video is boxing, he's hitting a medicine ball, and he's positively shredded. I've never seen delts that big on a man before. He's all delts and obliques, like Albert Wilson, built like a brick friggin' house. So I want, I think, I want a mea culpa on Rashad for the things I talked about this offseason, at least for this year, while he tries to get back and get healthy. And given the four months' progress post-labrum surgery... I think he might get that opportunity in 2019. And speaking of shoulder injuries, before we close out the podcast here, a former Miami Dolphin has been popped again for another PED use, a potential 10-game suspension coming for Dion Jordan, the former number three overall pick in what was, in my opinion, the worst draft class in Miami Dolphins history. And Jordan came out of college, out of Oregon, with some speculation about drug use and I think it was marijuana, which is whatever, but using these types of things tend to have a longer-lasting impact on your career, and it hits Dion Jordan now, a free agent, and I'm sure he's not going to get a contract because of this, and it feels like this could be the end for Jordan, and it almost feels like a bit of a lifted curse for us as Dolphins fans as we can finally put that awful, awful 2013 out of sight and out of mind. That said, I do hope that Dion gets the help he needs He's obviously on a wrong path. Okay, that's a great spot to get out of here for this podcast. I have to remind you guys, if you have a smart speaker, you can go ahead and pull up the podcast in your car or otherwise right away. Just say, play Locked On Dolphins podcast for your daily dose. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingful NFL. Follow the show at LockdownFins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. The Josh Rosen project should be finished up on Sunday. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.